welcome to today's episode of Engineering Success with our very special guest, Douglas McCormick. Douglas is a Chief Executive of WYG, one of the UK's most successful consultancies. He is a Fellow of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors and holds an MSc in Construction Management and a BSc in Quantity Surveying. Previously a Commissioner of the UK Commission for Employment and Skills and is also a non-executive of the Institute of Collaborative Working. WYG operates in more than 50 locations throughout the world and currently employs 1,600 specialists. Today we're going to find out what has driven Douglas to succeed and what it takes to lead WYG. Hi Douglas and welcome to Engineering Success. Can we start with how you first became interested in becoming a quantity surveyor? Yes, Jimmy, good. Um, so when I was 17 years old, uh, I needed to do something with my life because they were going to throw me out of school. And I left school um, with a set of results that were not glorious. And um, my dad was a surveyor. He was a general practice surveyor. He, he worked in land management. And um, uh, so I liked what he did but I didn't want to be exactly the same as my dad, so I did quantity surveying instead of, uh, instead of general practice surveying. And I got a job uh, as, a, as an apprentice, and I went to the college a day a week for six years to get my first qualification. Yeah, what was your first qualification? So I did a part-time bachelor's degree in quantity surveying at what is now Napier University. Um, when I did that, 1980 to 1986, it was the College of Commerce and Technology, and you could read plumbing as well as tech, uh, as well as quantity surveying, <laughs> right, yeah. um, or bricklaying or plastering. It was a technical college, and surveying was um, one of the technical degrees. And um, so I went. I went for six years. I passed my my degree and finished my apprenticeship. And so, what was the first company you worked for? I worked for an Edinburgh uh, surveying company called George Berry and Partners. Um, there were ten of us in the office. <laughs> Um, I was the junior apprentice, uh, working my way through to senior apprentice, uh, and they um, did a wide range of domestic, um, health, uh, and um, Edinburgh being uni uniquely Georgian, they were, they were quite niche and specialist repairs to Georgian buildings. So I spent two years on a hospital project, um, I ran a portfolio of Edinburgh stonework repairs, which, um, which was fascinating. Yes, um, I could imagine. Uh, really interesting, repairing Georgian buildings to heritage standards, um, and that was very good. Um, I, and I moved from making the tea and coffee, because in those days you did, and fixing uh, the Gestetner machine, which is something that you used to put ink pads on to run off bills of quantities. Right. Um, don't exist anymore. No. Gestetner still exists, but... Uh, and I moved from that to having my own portfolio of projects that I answered to the senior partner for. Um, and I learned, I learned how to work, I learned about people, and I learned how to do the job. And my, my education at college was directly related um, to what I did in the office. So we're at school, because I couldn't answer so what, my exam results weren't great because I wasn't interested. Yeah. Actually, I discovered that um, the more I learned at college, the better I was at what I did at work. And so I really began to do extremely well, so my exam results became extremely good. Yes. And yeah. I started to see that actually um, I could succeed. Yeah. 
Because you were enjoying it. I had a great time. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and George Berry and Partners were, they were delightful to work for and they had a real, um, they had a real care for their people and a real discipline about making sure that you you did pass your exams and you did work hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so for for somebody like me, the discipline of that was just really helpful. Yeah. Um, and then when I got the bug of I can do this, you know, I began to fly, and it <laughs> yeah, was great. Yeah. So, so looking back, uh, when you first started out, did you ever think you were going to lead a company like WYG? Was that the was that the goal, or was it just you take every step as it comes? I never thought um, that I, I would be a chief executive and running a company, but I've never had a career plan. I've never said I will get to here. What I've always said is when somebody's come and said, would you do this? And I've looked at it and quite often I've thought, oh, I'm not sure if I can. Yeah. Um, and I've said, yes, I'll do that. Um, and so by taking on the next challenge, one yeah. step at a time, take the next challenge, uh, and then you discover that actually, yes, you can do that. It's not easy and you won't get it all right. Um, uh, and so when the board of WYG came and said, we're looking for a new chief exec, would you come? I thought, yeah, I'd be very happy to do that. Um, but no, I haven't had a career plan. And I do genuinely believe that um, you need to take one step at a time. Yeah. Uh, in my experience, people who have a career plan often find themselves disappointed. Yes, yeah. Um, because they're not satisfied in what they do achieve, um, they're always worried about what they haven't achieved, yeah. and, and you know. Yeah, the next thing. The next life, thing. life is for living, yes. and today is what we have, so we should yeah. live in the good of that. Yes. So, yeah, one step at a time. Um, there is something called imposter syndrome. So when I was a little boy, I used to get into trouble. I was quite mischievous, and I quite often would be places I shouldn't be, and somebody would come in and go, "Oi, you! Why are you here?" <laughs> Yeah. And that's imposter syndrome. I sometimes sit in quite senior meetings yeah. with clients or with investors or with staff and think somebody's going to come in and go, oh, you, what <laughs> yes, are you doing yeah. in here? Yeah. And so um, I'm getting over my imposter syndrome. Yeah, do you think that happens a lot to a lot of people yeah. in your position? Yeah, I do. As I talk to um, friends and colleagues in the industry, there's, there's a lot of us don't take for granted that we, um, we occupy senior jobs. Yeah. Um, and I think that's good. It keeps you humble. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, through your career, did you were you inspired by other people uh, in companies, or was there a person you looked up to? I, I think there have been um, a number of people uh, in my life who have been really um, quite uh, quite character forming. I mean, there are two people in particular. Uh, I moved to London in 2005 to come and work on the Metronet project, which um, Atkins were my employer. Right. They were a joint venture partner in the refurbishment of two-thirds of the London Underground. It was a difficult project, wasn't going terribly well, and I came to work on that project in London from Scotland. That was a big change for yeah, me. Yeah. And um, we had a managing director who joined uh, that project called Bernard Ainsworth. Uh, Bernie had just finished uh, the dome. Right. Uh, worked for John Lang Construction in the days when John Lang Construction was a major company in this country. Um, still a great investment company. Yeah. Uh, and and I learned I learned a huge amount from Bernie, who, no matter how difficult things were, and no matter the pressure of the project and the stress when things were not going well, yeah. um, behaved like a gentleman. Was always calm. Um, 
was assertive and direct and took decisive action. Sometimes um, got that very right, sometimes not quite so right. But uh, and um, I learned, I learned the thing I learned from Bernie was think of three ways to solve every problem before you open your mouth. <laughs> right. Because I'm very good at talking. Yeah. Um, and I can normally talk my way out of most things. But Bernie taught me to think about three things before you open your mouth. Right. How could you solve this? What three things could you do? What different ways could you approach it? So not just first answer and I'm away. Yeah. Thinking through that. And then I think the other person who um, was a role model, Keith Clark, who was the chief executive of Atkins for most of the time I worked there. Uh, I think Keith is probably the best chief executive I have ever worked for. Right. And um, uh, as, I, as I sit in the chief exec seat at WIG, um, I quite often reflect on what Keith might have done and how Keith behaved or how Keith presented himself. Yeah. And the thing that both Bernie and Keith taught me is I think one of the most important things is that actually it takes a team to l- deliver everything. Yeah. And success is about the people around you yeah, and yeah. working together. Yeah. Um, the hero school doesn't exist. Um, there are there are great heroes in our industry, but actually, really successful people are people who know how to gather and to work together and to build a team and to drive success through the success of other people. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think between Bernie and Keith, um, uh, I still reflect those those lessons hold good this yeah. morning too. Yeah, yeah, good. So a lot of leaders have daily or weekly habits. Um, do you have any habits you do on a daily or weekly basis? Um, actually, not really. Right. I live a much more random life. Okay. Um, I'm seldom in the in the same place for more than one or two days. Yeah. Um, I'm a morning person, so I'm normally in in winter when it's still dark. I might be up around six. Right. In in summer when it's light, I might be up anytime between four and six. Really. Okay. And by nine o'clock, uh, by nine o'clock at night or ten o'clock at night, I need to go to my bed. <laughs> um, right. And uh, I think the other things, uh, I suppose, around habits are you need to have balance because this is just a job. Yeah. So I paddleboard. I live on a river and right. I do stand-up paddleboarding in the summer when it's warm. Yeah. Um, I like water sports. Uh, I walk and I read. Um, but a creature of habit, I'm not. I'm not as regular as clockwork, other than the fact I'm a morning person and I need to go to bed at a decent time right. at night. Okay. <laughs> so what attributes do you need <clears throat> to be the CEO of a company like WYG? I think th- th- there's a few. You need to have drive and resilience. Yeah. Um, you need to know where you're going and you need plan A, B and C. Because if plan A doesn't work and plan B doesn't work, you need plan C. If you get plan C and you don't have one, you'll probably need to think of plan D, but hopefully you won't need that much. (laughs) And you need to be resilient because it's not easy. Running a business in uh, the 21st century in what is fast becoming a global village um, is not not an easy thing to do. Um, And the responsibility of um, we employ around 1,600 people. So we put the kids to school and we pay the mortgage and, and all the all the livelihood of our staff, actually, that's our responsibility. So making wise decisions around that and making good decisions and sometimes difficult decisions. Yes. So you need to have drive and resilience. You need to be a bit of an original thinker. Yeah. If you always do what's always done, 
then you always get what's always been That's asked. right, yes, yeah. So you need to, you know, you need to be looking and thinking about what else could we do or how could we do it differently. And actually, you don't do that alone. Um, one of the joys of employing apprentices and graduates in a business is, is bright young people come with fresh ideas. And so one of the challenges is how, how do you make sure you're listening to your organisation? And sometimes to people who are quite junior but clever ideas are not the prerogative of just senior people. No, no. Um, so, you know, you need that. And you need to know where you're going. So you have to you have to have some vision about what the company looks like in three years' time. Yeah. And you need to be able to articulate that because people want to know. Um, I've mentioned you need a team, and you do. Yeah. Um, so uh, there are things I'm not good at. And so I have people around me who are good at the things I'm not good at, and I'm good at some of the things they're not good at, and you build a team that plays to your strengths and defends your weaknesses. Um, so I have a fabulous finance director, because I'm not a finance director. Now I can, read, I can read spreadsheets and balance sheets and accounts, but it's not the natural air I breathe in the way a finance person breathes it. So I have a strong finance person for that reason. And other people who bring skills to the team, um, you need to be able to communicate. Yes. I think somewhere in my past, my mother kissed the Blarney Stone, <laughs> and I've never been able. You know, I, I'm, able, I'm not. I'm not unable to talk. Yeah. Um, shutting me up sometimes can be a problem. <laughs> um, and I think the other thing is, uh, you need to be able to motivate people. You need to be able to catalyze them to action. You need to be able to lead, um, and you lead from the front. Yeah. Um, and the definition of a leader is somebody with followers. Yeah. Not necessarily somebody who just has a chief exec's badge or a senior manager's badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A leader is somebody that people follow. Yeah. And often in organisations there are informal structures as well as formal structures. And you can always spot the leaders because people follow them. Yes. And you need to be able to create a following. Yeah. Um, so you create trust and respect and you value people and you care about people. Um, and you do that genuinely and actually then people give you their best. Yeah. Uh, because there's that mutuality of respect. Yeah. So you need all of those things. Yeah, yeah. Probably a few more that I forgot. <laughs> so do you, do you find it easy to, to motivate your staff? You know, when you know when you go around to offices, um, you know, I'm sure you interact with everybody. Do you find it do you find it quite easy to to motivate people? Because it's not an easy skill to do, is it? It's not. Um, I, I think key in any organisation is uh, particularly people organisations. And actually, even if you manufacture widgets, it's people that are there. Yeah. People are everything. Uh, and um, I think openness and transparency and honesty are just critical. And I think when you're open and transparent and honest and you tell people how it is, sometimes that's it's good and sometimes it's not so good, or sometimes we're doing really well or sometimes we're not doing so well. Um, and I think as you respect and value people, then they trust you. Yeah. And trust is the motivator. Yeah. Um, so everybody gets pay and rations. Yeah. You can go to any employer in the land and they'll do pay and rations. Some will do better pay and rations than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not all of them will care for you and respect you as an individual. Not all of you will, uh, not all of them will, will invest in you as a person. Um, and I, I, think, I, I think it's that identifying yourself um, as no more or less important yeah. and as somebody doing a job as everybody in the job in the company is doing a job 
Um, I think those are the things that help motivate. But people choose to be motivated. Yeah. I can only do what I do, and people either choose to be motivated or choose not to be motivated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, if you create an exciting vision, even in the difficult times, uh, then people people like to follow people who know where they're going. Yes. And so as I articulate my view of that, um, however inadequate sometimes that might be, then um, people, yeah, people are trusting and, and we see people who want to follow. Yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, and that's very exciting and I don't take that for granted. No. no, that's good. So what challenges do you face as a chief executive on a weekly basis? I'm sure people would love to know that. I, I think um, there's, there are some real macroeconomic uh, challenges around at the moment. There is no doubt that leaving the European Union, rightly or wrongly, yeah. um, the uncertainty of the length of time it's taken mean that um, the market is less active than it was um, and winning work is harder than it was. I think for us too, we are 1,600 people, we're 160 million-ish revenue company. Yeah. Um, we're not 50,000 people or 100,000 people, we don't earn billions. Mm. And so how you make the company profitable and you generate cash, um, cash is everything. Yeah. Without cash you're dead. Mm. You can be clever and you can, you know, your accounting can look really good, but if you don't have cash then, then you're in difficulties. Um, and dealing with problems. Uh, so largely what comes to me is when things go wrong uh, and how do you sort those out properly? And another part of my role on a weekly basis is looking after our clients. Yeah. So it's important that clients know they have access to me. Uh, I don't live in an ivory tower. Yeah. We only exist as a business because we have clients who are pleased to give us the work and yeah, pay yeah. us yeah. for our services. So looking after our clients um, is really important. Uh, and then at the same time, thinking about where will we be the day after tomorrow? <laughs> because there are people who worry about today, who are employed to deal with today's job. Yeah. There are some people who are employed to think about tomorrow's job too. And my job more often than not is to think about where will we be next year? Yes. What should we do? Where should we go? Yeah. Uh, and the whole world is our oyster, you know. So, um, uh, and all of those things fly around on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, uh, and no two days are the same, which is part of the fun. <laughs> yeah, yes, I can imagine that. So, what would your advice be to somebody coming into the engineering or construction industry? What What would your number one piece of advice be to them today? Um, come, come and join <laughs> us. Um, come and get qualified. Um, uh, and, and work your way through your qualifications. So if you're a graduate, get a good degree. If you're an apprentice, get into your training, get your college, work hard for that. Um, success is not given on a plate. Success comes through hard work. For the vast majority of us, um, there isn't an alternative to hard work. Uh, and that doesn't change. It doesn't get any easier the older you get. It's still yeah. about working hard. But I would say, come, this is a great industry. Um, there's something wonderful about wandering around um, countries of the world and cities of the world and look at projects that you were involved in and that you had a contribution to. Yes, yeah. And um, uh, I never, never doubt that you can succeed. 
You can put, you can do anything that you put your mind to, yeah. and always be pleased to take help. And if you need help, ask for help, because my experience of people is that the vast majority of people are only too delighted to give the help that they can. So um, come and join us would be my advice. Get qualified uh, and look at how you grow your career one step at a time. So why do you feel that you know there is a skill shortage at the moment in engineering? What would you put it down to? I, I, I don't think we have um, portrayed our industry properly. Right. Uh, and I think, uh, erroneously, we per portrayed engineering as kind of slightly dull and boring. Yeah. Uh, and um, when actually how you physically construct some of the greatest structures in the world. Um, you know, I'm from Scotland and go and stand and on the edges of the fourth outside Edinburgh and look at the fourth rail bridge, a feat of engineering. Yeah. And then the road bridge, you know, um, a much later example. And the latest bridge finished in the last couple of years, a stunning example of engineering. Or we're sitting in London, uh, and out of the window of the room we're in, you can see the shard. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or, or go to Dubai and look at Burj Al Khalifa, almost a kilometre high. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and 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 actually, engineering is about real clever skills that take the theory of structures and components, and make tangible things that people live in or work in or travel in. Um, and I think the other thing for me. And the thing that's changing rapidly is the use of technology and all of that. Yeah. If you want to be at the cutting edge of technology and industry, then come and join engineering. Because yeah. that's transforming what we do and will continue to do so. And have we made all that clear to young people? No, I think we've just made it look a bit dull and boring. Right. And some of that's because a lot of our companies are run by middle-aged, grey-haired men like me. And we haven't said to our female colleagues, actually, you can succeed too. Yeah. This is a great world for our female colleagues. And in our business, we're seeing uh, lots of our female colleagues um, joining the industry and prospering. Yes. Um, and it's good for everybody. Uh, uh, we, As we become as diverse as we can, it's a great place to be. But I don't think we've got that message across as well as we could. So if you're listening... That's the message. It's a great place to come and work. Yes. Yeah. So, how do we how do we change the perception overall of, of engineering? Do you think it is changing with more uh, you know women coming into construction? You know, there's a lot of, uh, of things going on with women in construction and engineering at the minute. Do you think it's slowly changing, or do you still think that there's a lot more work to do? I think it is changing, but I think there's a lot more work to do. I also think that it doesn't happen by accident. So it's not going to just happen. I think we, we need to make sure that we are positively um, encouraging yeah. of everybody. Um, and clearly our industry has suffered uh, particularly uh, with a lack of gender diversity, but actually diversity is much bigger than just gender. Yeah. And the message has to be su that anyone can succeed on merit, so I don't want to be the token bloke in the company, just as my female colleagues don't yeah, want to yeah. be the token female. Yes. But actually, on merit, all of us can succeed. Uh, and I think that's important. But I think we need to be actively doing that. 
So um, we need to actively look at our recruitment and make sure that we are looking at, at a balance of male and female candidates. That our gender that our gender diversity is right, but our general diversity is right. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, so irrespective of religion, sexuality, race, ability, disability, all the things that we have, um, uh, you know, unconscious bias around. Yeah. We need to work hard to make sure that we're not just hiding in our own image all the time, but we're actively looking to be different in our, our recruitment processes, mm-hmm. uh, and when we promote. To make sure we give as much opportunity across the spectrum of our businesses, not just um, somebody we like or somebody yes. that we think fits. Yeah, yeah. It's, there needs to be process that demonstrates merit and value. Do you think that could be targeted? Yes, I do. I think it can be targeted. It just needs to not be discriminatory. Yeah. And, and finding that balance isn't easy. No, no, it's not. Balance no, it's is never not. easy. No, it's not. No. But do you think that comes from the top? From you know yeah. the executives like yourself of you know WYG and other companies that's got to come from the top down. Yes, it does. Um, you you know water never rises higher than its source. No. Um, and what what I do as the chief exec as the leader of this business, everybody else will do. Yes. And if I set an example around how we behave and how we recruit and the values that we uh, share amongst our people then people will follow that or not as they choose. Mm. But if I don't set that, then yes. um, it will never happen. Yeah, yeah. So if those of us who are privileged to be leaders in our business in this industry, in this country and, and where we work around the world, um, if we don't set the example, it, it will never happen. Yeah. yeah. So we said about the changing technology. Where do you see engineering in 10 years? Can you see engineering in 10 years? Is it too far to look? Do you know, um, one, of my, one of the challenges for me is that all of this technology has been invented in my lifetime. Yeah. I used to go to school with a two pence piece in my pocket so that in an emergency I could go to a phone box. Now, for those who don't know, a phone box <laughs> was a red thing with a phone in it and yes. you could put your money in the slot and phone home to say there was a problem. Yeah. So mobile phones and the internet and computers are all things that have come in my lifetime. Uh, And as I look at particularly our younger members of staff and their use of apps in the way they deliver the work and, um, you know, BIM, artificial intelligence, virtual reality design, um, all of these things which which are challenging for somebody of my generation. Um, What I do think is that the next three to five years will completely transform our industry and the automation and management of data um, will take away a lot of the grungy, bureaucratic, uninteresting bits sometimes of our work. And I think it will allow us to be hugely creative um, in a way that I think it is hard to imagine. Uh, And and 10 years Goodness, if you think of the technology move in the last 10 yeah, years somehow, yeah. to this t- to now, and then if you say, if that were to be the same, what would that be? And one of the reasons that um, I really want to be encouraging of young people coming as apprentices or graduates into our industry is that's your future. Yeah. And you bring those skills. Yeah. And when you marry the life experience of people like me, with the cleverness with technology of our youngsters. And if you can get that balance right, 
when you marry experience and technology and the cleverness around that, then you really are heading for success. Yes, yeah. So, what keeps you motivated then? Um, I love what I do. Yeah. And I love the challenge of what I do. Um, to take a business and to make it successful and to deal with all the things that come with that, um, I find that hugely motivating. Yeah. Um, and and I, I often don't appear hugely competitive, but I am. I like to succeed. Yeah. Um, I don't like to succeed at the expense of other people. I like to succeed with other people. Yeah. And the joy of, of my job is to take all of the folk who are good enough to work for WIG uh, and lead us to success. And that gets me out of bed in the morning. Yes. Uh, and, you know, even in the difficult days, um, when I need to be the one that thinks of the plan and, and it needs, it's down to me to say, okay, we're here and this is what we need to do to get to where we want to. Um, that's great fun in that. Yeah. And always remember, it's just a job. Yes. And you must keep that. This is just a job. Get a life. Yeah. Make sure you have a life. And so, you know, um, the balance of that. But um, that gets me out of bed in the morning. Good. So I think it's important to continually develop as a person. Yeah. Even, at, at, you know, executive level. So what do you do to continually develop yourself so you never stop learning I, I think it's time to die when you stop learning because <laughs> right. actually um, there are so many things uh, around uh, and the challenges that come so I've changed my reading right. um, you know uh, the paper I read doesn't have sports pages on the back anymore <laughs> okay. um, uh, I read um, around global issues. So if we're to have a global conversation, what are the three global things in the what are the three things in the world that affect the world and society and humanity? And they are water, energy and people. Mm. Those are the three great themes of our world. How do you know that? Well you need to read widely and think on a large scale. Yeah. Um, so I read differently to how I used to read. Mm. Um, and I talk to people, and I'm curious, um, and um, I don't read management books particularly, uh, but I do read about uh, where is technology going, mm -hmm. um, and, and what about market trends and global trends. So we could have a different conversation about the geopolitical nature of the world today, and where global threats come from, and how what Mr. Trump does in America and what the Chinese president does is having an impact here in the UK yeah. as well as the European market and the fractious nature of our European partners. Um, how do you know all that? Because actually um, you learn to think much wider than just um, your technical job um, and, and you need to have a big world view. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about the attributes to be chief executive. Yeah. What attributes do you think you need to be successful, just a normal person that wants to be successful, what attributes should they should they have or uh, try to gain? I, I think the highest calling in life is to be a decent human being. Yeah. Uh, and I think 
Success is not about being technically competent. That's a threshold thing for me. Yeah. Um, so we employ all sorts of people on the base assumption they can do the technical job we employ them for. But the thing we look at is their behaviour and values. Yeah. And, and what will make you successful is how you behave and what your values are. Um, I, and, you know, if you trample over everybody to get where you think you want to get to, you probably will fail. Yes. And you'll certainly not be respected. Um, you might, you know, you might prosper uh, at what price. Um, so I, I think actually values and behaviours and people skills, um, the most successful people have those. Yes. Um, uh, and a resilience and ability to take difficult decisions and be responsible. Yeah. When, when things are going really well and somebody says, so, so who's responsible for this? It's easy to say, me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. When things are going badly and it's difficult, it takes a big person to say, this is, this is my responsibility, or um, I've made a mistake, or I didn't get this right, or actually, please, I need some help. Yeah. So I, I think those are the kind of things that make people successful. Base things, you must be qualified, get qualified. Yeah. Um, if you have it, it doesn't matter. If you don't have it, it does. Yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, learn learn people skills. Mm. Do you think those change over time? I mean, I think when you first start being a, a good listener is a great attribute to have because obviously you you listen to everybody, you take in the information that you think you need, and you know you, you disregard the things that you don't. Yeah. And then as you as you climb up the ladder, so to speak, I think you know. Being a people person and being able to read people is a great attribute to have as well. Because um, like you say, not everybody's got the same plan as you have. Yeah. So I think over over time, do you think the attributes change a little bit from you know being a, a, good, a good listener and, and a good learner to, to leading? I think they remain constant. Right. So um, I'm a good listener. Yeah. Um, and I've created forums in our business where I can listen to staff yeah. directly without being interfered with the skewing that sometimes come from more senior people. Um, the ability to listen is key. Um, God gave us two ears and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as yeah. we speak. I don't always remember that. Um, I, 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 think, I think the difference is, um, clearly the longer you live, the more you experience. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can't live any faster than you do. We all live one minute at a time, one second at a time, one breath at a time. But becoming maturity, um, learning how you apply experience, uh, but good behavior and good values are constant through your life, yeah. um, but being mature around them. Uh, and I think too, um, when I was younger, I was always in a hurry. Right. Um, now, now I'm in less of a hurry and I take time to reflect and to think. Um, now, sometimes you need to act quickly. Yeah. But actually, what's on your desk today will probably be on your desk tomorrow. Mm. When I was an apprentice, my first boss, a lovely man called Jerry McHugh, he had a tray in his desk. And this was in the days when you wrote letters on bits of paper and you gave them to a typist. Yes. And she typed them and it came back and you read it over and you corrected anything that needed corrected. And he used to have what he called on his desk his tomorrow tree. Right. So he would write an angry letter about something. 
and he would read it and then he would put it in his tomorrow tree. And in the morning when he came in the next day, he would pick up what was in his tomorrow tree because it was now tomorrow. Yeah. And he'd read it and go, no, I couldn't possibly send that. <laughs> yes, I know. Why? Because with a bit of calm and a bit of thought, he'd taken time to reflect. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, what is it they say? Act in haste, repent at leisure. Yes. And so um, I, I think it's about becoming mature and growing up. Yeah. Not yeah, everybody yeah. grows up and not everybody becomes mature. Um, but behaviour and values don't change and being a good listener is important. So I have a rule in my meetings, if you talk over somebody, I will stop you. Right, okay. Interrupting somebody means that you don't think what they're saying is important enough to listen to because what you want to say is more important, even though you haven't taken on board what they may wish to share. Um, that's arrogance. Yeah. And so, you know, um, learning and listening, lifelong skills. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So having achieved so much, what does the future hold for you? Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, um, at some point, uh, I will probably change from this full-time, quite frenetic, very demanding job to a bit more of a portfolio career. Right. I don't really ever see myself retiring. No. Um, I had a wonderful uncle my great uncle Frank by marriage, um, he retired at 98. <laughs> right. Uh, and um, the energy and, and enthusiasm for life that he had has been really an inspiration. Yeah. Um, now, God only knows when I'll make it to 98. <laughs> but, but actually, I, I think um, the way I'm involved in this industry may well change yeah. the older I get. But I don't see myself coming to a point where I don't have an involvement. I've learned a lot in my in my life, yeah. and I think there's a lot to share. Yeah. Um, that doesn't always need to be about making money. It can be about adding value. So this conversation yeah. is part of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't cross my bridges really until I get to them. Right. And I don't worry about tomorrow because yeah. tomorrow will take care of itself. Yeah. 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 So I'm like you, I don't think, you know, there's a time that I think I will ever not be involved yeah. in the industry. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a passion for, for what I do, uh, wanting to give back uh, an industry that's been so good to me. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's the same for you. Yeah. You, know, you, just, you just feel that you, you need to share. And also, too, come. there's a joy about, you know... Um, you need to be phys you need to keep yourself physically active and well, yeah. and you need to manage that proactively. But you need to be mentally well too. Yeah. You know, one in four of us will, at some point in our life, suffer from some kind of mental illness. Yeah. Um, that's the time to change challenge, World Mental Health Day challenge this year. Yeah. Um, there's no shame in that, but part of part of continuing to be well is to keep your brain active. Yeah and to be involved yeah. and to do stuff um, uh, and so finding stuff that's interesting whether that's how you make your living yeah. um, or whether it's other things that you do um, I don't ever see a time coming where um, where I would stop doing that I hope not Good. well thank you very much uh, Douglas for your time it's been a pleasure to interview you today Jamie thank you it's been thank a you. real pleasure cheers thank you join us next time on engineering success for more insights from successful and inspirational leaders in the engineering and construction industries. I would love you to subscribe to the show 
and please leave comments and feedback on the website. Have an amazing week and see you next time on Engineering Success.